Hey, you're here. I'm glad you are. Welcome to another episode of Troped Out Podcast, the pod where we chat with your favorite and future favorite authors about all things tropes and more. I am Emma C. Wells, but you can call me M. I write murder books, sometimes magic books, and I read lots of kissing books. Over there is E.J. Winstrom, your friendly neighborhood speculative fiction author who devours anything with a morally gray heroine, doing what it takes to get what she wants. Today, I am so excited to tell you that we are chatting with fantasy author and cheerleader of queer science fiction and fantasy books everywhere, K.A. Dorr. K.A. Dorr writes fantasy, mostly second world, mostly novels, with a touch of horror and a ton of adventure. You can find the Chronicles of Gadi trilogy everywhere, including our Troped Out Bookshop. Welcome, K.A., to the podcast. Hi. Thank you guys for having me. We're psyched that you're here. Uh, why don't we start here? Tell us about the, the opening of your trilogy. So let's talk about The, the Perfect Assassin. The way I like to describe the series in general is as Queer Assassins Save the Day, which pretty much covers each book. But the first book does start out with a reluctant assassin trope, which I'll already get into that. It starts out with a reluctant assassin who finds out that actually he doesn't have to kill anyone anymore, and it's great until suddenly he starts stumbling over bodies, and now he has to figure out who's killing him instead of his friends and family. So it's kind of a murder mystery by accident, but it's mostly an adventure fantasy. And it has that very like rich fantasy feel to it, for sure. You know, the world of this book was so fresh. You know, it doesn't have that same like medieval inspired type of setting that's so strongly associated with like traditional fantasy, which can be fine or good depending on the book, but it was a lot of fun to get into this very like desert-inspired world that you created. So, you know, how do you go about building a world like this? Who? Well, it helps to start with a... Did it hit you like a lightning bolt? Like, did you think of the world first? So, I cheated. I cheated. Okay. I lived in Arizona. Okay. Yeah. So you're looking at this desert landscape, like, all the time and, like, daydreaming and yeah. thinking, what if? I, I've I am originally from Florida. Um, we moved to Washington State, and then we moved to Arizona. And I came from Arizona from a very, you know, wet, humid environment and didn't really know what I was getting into. And what I discovered was something kind of amazing and beautiful. And there was just so much vibrancy to the desert landscape that most people don't expect, you know, or really even think about. Like, folks don't really think about deserts aside from, like, just sand dunes, and that's it. So I moved there, and after a few years, I was just like, I need to set something in a desert, and also I want to have somebody stabbing people, um, as you do. And so I, it definitely came from living in Arizona and seeing the monsoon season. It's not really a spoiler to say that the monsoons are a big part of the book and a kind of a big part of the plot somehow. I don't know how I managed to make weather part of the plot, but I did. <laughs> um, so that... Yeah, it really informs the the flow of the whole arc, actually. Um, but the specifically, the first book is just, I wrote it kind of in the atmosphere of an Arizona June. So Arizona summer, right before the storms hit, it just gets really, really hot. It gets kind of gross. People are like snapping at each other. Tempers are flaring. And you then you start seeing the clouds off in the distance and then the storms roll in. So that was kind of how I built the arc. <laughs> no, that's super cool. It. But 
but that was kind of how the arc was. So at the same time in the society, they live in the desert. And I really wanted to underscore that fact that water is scarce in the desert, but it isn't completely gone. And one of the cool things that I learned in my research writing the book that I eventually ended up setting in more of a traditional desert than the, than the Sonoran desert that I lived in is that there is actually like a giant aquifer underneath the Saharan desert. And it used to be so, it used to be so vast and so full of water that the Saharan desert wasn't really a desert. But now it's, you know, it's been depleted over the thousands of years or whatever. But there are certain countries that still draw water from that aquifer so that they can, you know, grow crops and that kind of thing. I think Libya is one of them. They're known for maybe overdrawing some water. But so I really tapped into that as like, there is water. It is very limited, but you can still grow and thrive and have a society in this otherwise harsh environment. Yeah, that's actually super cool like that I feel like that's a part of the country that doesn't get tapped into as much yeah and it's it's really it's really cool what um one of the things I learned to appreciate in Arizona specifically are they have rivers quote unquote (laughs) but they they don't flow most of the year you will only get water for maybe a, a max two to three days in the monsoon season and those rivers are actually just sand beds where they absorb all the water. So you have these these areas, these um, valleys, basically, like little valleys, they're washes, um, and they go between hills and whatnot, and that's where the water flows during the monsoon season. But most of the year, like people use them as walking paths. So that the fact that the water will flow through there fast and dangerous, that's how you get those flash floods. And then it just goes into the sand and underneath the ground and in Arizona, there's also an aquifer, but it's not as fast as the one in the Sahara. That's so interesting. So, like, I'm geeking out about all of this. I'm actually in a geology class right now, so I'm, like, Ooh. biting my tongue as I'm got questions. <laughs> I don't know if I can answer those. <laughs> <laughs> They're really quirky questions, so I'm just going to save those. We'll start a new podcast for that. Yeah. We'll talk about rocks and rivers. I love rocks. <laughs> oh. Don't get me started on sand. Yeah. I have read so many... <laughs> So many articles on sand and the differences between like desert sand and beach sand. Yeah, it's and not the sand same thing. Concrete at all. And like, oh man, it's, yeah. Don't, so not you had the idea for the setting in this world before you had the idea for the characters or was it kind of like they kind of hit at the same time, but the world required a little bit more? I think it was more, it's hard to think back because this was 2014. No, that's okay. It was more, I had an idea for characters. And as I started building out the story, because I was living in Arizona and already in the back of my head, I was like, I really want to set my next story in this area. So yeah, I guess I did kind of have the world first, but it really started off as just like, they're in the desert. And then it was much later that I was like, that I I learned about sand dune migration (laughs) and the way that like sand dunes will like move across and just engulf whole towns. And so that's where the idea of these platforms came from. Um, yeah, so in my in my book, the city is actually on these platforms that are hundreds of, maybe about 100 feet in the air. Um, and that way they get out of, they, they don't have to deal with the flash floods. They don't have to deal with like bandits. Right. Um, and they also don't have to deal with being subsumed by sand. Okay, so we talk a lot about uh, tangent. Sorry, we talk a lot about endless stuff on here. Um, I wish I could remember where I got the term from. I know it's a psychological term, but there's somebody that that applies it to 
writing and books and like it's their whole thing. But I got it from our friend Lee Blair. Uh, and we talk about things on our id list, which basically means like when somebody's talking about something, it's something that you really like that you don't even really know like why you like it, but it makes you pick up and take like a second look. And I'm realizing like platform CDs is one of mine because there's this other book from a million years ago I read and it was about a city on a platform that was because of zombies. And so now I'm listening to this and I'm like, yes, okay. Now I'm like, is that why I liked zombie books so much? Because it was a platform. That's a solid plan for, for zombies. Yeah. I'm just not going to say anything about my second book. Oh, yes. Okay. okay. Although I do know, I haven't gotten to the second one yet, but I did see in your Twitter pinned post that you keep at the top about your books. Mm-hmm. Something about zombie camels. And I was like, I don't remember camels. that. What? Yeah. They are in the second book. Okay. Can we talk about the zombie camels? Camels. Not camels. I think we really need to. Un- they are undead camels, and there comes to, there. there's a point in the book I don't think this is spoilery at all, where they have to cross a vast distance at great speeds, much faster than the camels can handle. And one of the characters decides that it is much easier if the camels don't have to stop, ever. Oh, Oh, okay. He has has a lot of good ideas. So like, are they dangerous zombie camels? Why can I not say this? Zombie camels. Okay, so they're just like- Technically undead camels. Undead camels. Okay. Got you. Okay. I'm still here for it. There's a whole um, magic system that has to do with souls, which mm. are called John in the book. And the way that they interact with your flesh body. This is an EJ Winstrom endless situation happening <laughs> right it. now. Yeah, no, no, you're talking. It absolutely is. I was looking at EJ like, yes. In the book, there's, you know, there's the person, a whole human being, mm-hmm. flesh human being with soul that's alive. But when you die your soul becomes its own thing and then your body becomes its own thing. And those have to be taken care of in certain ways so that like, you know, proper respect is paid, but also so your soul doesn't go murderous rage. So that gets more in depth in later books because there's a whole magic system around the genre, which is of course illegal, but that doesn't stop some people. (laughs) It never does in these books. No. Thank God. That way we have a story. (laughs) Yeah. I thought one thing that was really cool about how you had structured the story was this feeling that you kind of had like this double ticking clock because you had the the genre which was going to continue to kill and hunt down. I won't get too into it to avoid spoilers, but then you also did have the the monsoons coming in. And so there were these two things that were just like kind of leaning in with these pressures the entire time. It made it a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I I had a lot. Like I said, I structured it around monsoon season, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of the three books in your trilogy, did you have one that was maybe more fun for you to work on than the others? Or were they all, like, just kind of different? They were all different. Um, So I wrote them out of order. So technically, the first one was actually the second one. Okay. Um, And that one, I, I went at it with a, I literally had a post-it note on my desk that was like, make this fun. So I just threw everything I liked into that, which is why there's undead camels in there. That's amazing. But yeah, I mean, the other two were fun in their own way. The third one was mostly fun because it was a challenge of trying to tie together all these disparate things. But also the first one was fun because like, I got to go back and examine some historical stuff that I'd been kind of hinting at in the second book. And I also got to really examine Amistan, who 
he his book is is book one, and then Thana has book two. So they all kind of get their own books. I'm really intrigued with the idea of someone that is raised in a society of assassins and they're raised to be like this person assassin, but they really just don't want to kill anybody. Like, I love that. You know, it's kind of like if you're raised in a a family who makes shoes and it's always expected of you that you're going to continue that family tradition of making shoes, but maybe you really want to play music instead. So you finally get to the point where you're like, actually, I realize that I don't want to do this. I want to do something else. I just completely stole Coco. It's fine. No, it's okay. (laughs) Well, if we're going down this route, like you have kids, have you seen Tangled? You know, like the the, yes. the song with Flynn Rider when they're in there with the bandits and like they don't really want to be dream. bandits. Yeah, they want to do something else. I'm getting vibes yeah. here. Sorry. <laughs> I've never seen either of these. AJ, you've got to watch now. Coco, Hi. man. <laughs> it's, I know. It's fun. I've heard really good things about Coco, too. Oh, it's, it's oh, Coco will make you cry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We oh, saw... You get, you get to a point where you're like, I'm not actually going to cry, and then you get to that scene, and no, it's no. So it doesn't get, like, super cold down here, like, a whole bunch. But a few years ago, like, one day it was, like, shorts weather. It was in January. And this was when Coco came out. It was in the theater. I promise this is going somewhere. And I threw my kids <laughs> in the car. My husband was working in Texas, and I was like, we're going to go see him because we haven't seen him in a long time. And you guys are driving me bananas. But so we drove, and I didn't check the weather, and true you know, that's very on brand. And we get to this hotel and that night it freezes and everything freezes. And we're stuck in this hotel for three days. And the fourth day I'm going, I'm losing my mind, right? And I'm like, we're going somewhere. And I don't know how to drive in ice, right? I, I live in Louisiana. So <laughs> we make it to the movie theater and Coco is playing and like, there's somebody in there and they let us in and we got to watch Coco and it was like the best day ever. And my kids to this day think I rented that theater out. So we can go see Coco. <laughs> I'm like, Aww. and you will never disabuse them of that. <laughs> right. Like the, remember when we got stuck in that ice storm and I rented the whole theater for you guys. Just for Aww. you. <laughs> yeah. That's how much I love you. What are you guys doing for me? You're not eating your vegetables. <laughs> right. Okay. So I have other questions, but before we do that, I have to know, how did it come about that you wrote the middle book first? I wrote a standalone. They told me they, the, the prevailing they. wisdom back <laughs> in the day was write a standalone. So I wrote one that was supposed to have absolutely no third book, second book. And then when I sold it to Tor, they were like, we can buy a trilogy from you instead. And I, you know, you don't turn that down. So I, I'd already had Percolady in the back of my head, like the prehistory, I overthink that all the time because I was a classics major, so I'm kind of a history nerd. So when I, I offered them the choice of, they could have, yeah, basically I offered them the choice of, I could write a prequel, um, which would end up being book one, or I could just write two books. And they said they would prefer the three. So, and I'm very glad because honestly, that ended up being one of, no, I mean, they're all my favorite. They're all my favorite, but it was a really good experience going back and writing. Oh, that's really good. I would think it would be like extraordinarily difficult. Yes, but that was largely because I just had a baby. Oh, well, sure. <laughs> just that. Only that. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I started writing the first book, um, I think, four weeks after my daughter. Was oh, born. wow. Holy so, cow. And I had to turn it in about eight months later. So. No. Okay. But it was, I don't know. Wow. It, I guess the world, it just really helped that there was 
again, I over, I overbuild a lot and then I have to cut out a lot. So there was just so much backstory to begin with that it, it wasn't that hard because the world was already built. So I didn't have to go world build again. Um, so in that regard, and the characters were mostly already there. So. Okay. So you wrote what is now as book two first, and then it got moved to book two and you had to go back and write book one. So did you just take a lot of the original world building like passages from book two and move it to book one? Or did you have to kind of change your brain up? I built backwards. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to explain. I, I excavated. I kept all the world building as it was in, in book two. And then I just was like, okay, so this is the magic as it is now. Okay. So let's, let's examine that. Let's see like what its roots are. And then that also led into book three as like how the magic progressed, how the world progressed, how the arc progresses, how the family progresses. So I was, yeah. Because it's a trilogy, but each book has a separate main character, correct? Okay. Yeah. They all, they're all they all standalone. Okay. Although I would not recommend reading book three on its own. Gotcha. <laughs> but you can. I did make one of my friends do that, and it, it was fine. But yes, they are all standalones. Each book has its own character, but there is a greater arc, thematic arc. It's not easy to do. So can we talk about book recommendations now? Because that's something you're kind of known Ooh. for, right? <laughs> like you're always giving so. great book recommendations on Twitter. Can I ask you what you're reading right now? Uh, I just looked. <laughs> Did it just fly out? It Pop always quiz. does that. It does that to me too. If you ask the body like, a direct uh, question, have I ever read anything? What's books? Like, <laughs> my favorite movie? I don't know. That's that's impossible. Favorite book, favorite movie. That's just a cruel question to ask. Like, why would you do that? Um, Wild and Wicked Things by Francesca May, which is a great Gatsby retelling with witches. I think I've heard about this, this one. Yeah, yeah. she. I think she made uh, like the, the Sunday best list yeah. or something. Okay. For good reason. It's really good and atmospheric. That sounds amazing. I need to go. I feel like I've heard a lot, of, a lot of great Gatsby retellings in the past like year. You know why? Please. Because Great Gatsby just came into the public domain. Oh. Like I think a year or two ago. I'm really... Like liking these because we all had to read Gatsby, right? I'm loving though that women are like taking it and running with it, you know? Yeah. Because Gatsby was kind of oh. trash, right? Am I alone in that? Oh, he was a oh, huge he was amount a of trash. Terrible. Like, yeah. so it's fun to see. Okay, I'm gonna take this and I'm gonna do my own thing. And there's a lot of really good stuff coming from that. Throw I do feel like I should. Um clarify that the book is gay oh well that's even better <laughs> Just in case. Case. <laughs> um and then the other book i'm reading is actually not out yet it's the surviving the surviving sky by pratika rao and that is a book about a speaking of platform cities it's not actually a platform but it's a floating jungle city okay above an a planet that is not very safe and it is also it's also gay. Okay. I do love a floating city. Make it gay, make it better. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun so far. I have to admit I'm reading very slowly right now because of aforementioned reading a lot of kids' books. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you read any good kids' books? Like, what's your favorite right now? There's a series with a main character called Kitty, who is a superhero, a Kitty superhero at night. She has, like... The ability to see in the dark and the like oh, that's cute. hear very well and she has little kitty friends and she goes around like 
rescuing gardens. And oh, it's it's That's adorable. Great. But the best part is the art mm-hmm. is it's like every single page. I it's beautiful. Like you could just put it up on the wall kind of art. So That's awesome. Illustrator. Remember the name of the author. So what are you reading, EJ? I just today finished Red Shirts by John Scalzi. Ooh. What do so, you think? It was a fun ride. I haven't read it. I've never been like a heavy Trekkie, but you know, it's pretty easy to know. Oh, those red shirts. And okay. Those red yeah. shirts. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. 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 So um, the entire premise of this is that the, the main characters of the story are side characters in this world that they're in and they realize something weird is going on and the red shirts keep getting killed when they go on missions and everyone acts weird sometimes and they kind of put together pretty quickly uh, that there's something going on with some sort of narrative existing outside of them that's creating this situation and so then they try to go about addressing it so that they can all not die on a future mission when they're dragged into something on planet I would say it's very pacey. It's very kind of quippy, bantery. Very scalzy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is actually the first scalzy I've written or read. Oh. <laughs> this is the first scalzy I've written. Yeah, he's um, he's very good with pacey and quippy. His um, dialogue is really good, and yeah. it's a very self-aware novel too. Yeah, uh, which feeds right into the themes. Like the entire thing is so like breaks the fourth in, wall basically in story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that's what I was going to ask. Is it officially in like a Star Trek world or is it just because everybody knows red shirts die? I think they do actually mention it at one point because they are talking about how this show is like a knockoff of that. That's really poorly written. They keep talking about how badly the show is that they're stuck in. (laughs) It's pretty funny. Did you see that? I couldn't remember if he got permission or not. So... I don't know. I think they mention it once, though. I think it's technically parody. You know what? I think you're right. Yeah. Did you see that Black Mirror episode? That was like, they were stuck in the Star Trek type universe that the guy controlled, but they were all like pieces of the game and they didn't know it. And like, he made himself the hero of it. And he was like horrible. And he was like turning his enemies into like monsters and like, whatever, but they were based on people that he worked with, like, at his day job. But they had, like, they were self-aware. They knew they were in the game. That's super cool and sounds super correlated. And look, here's my thing with Black Mirror. It's really hard for me to get through, and I don't know why. I love everything I've ever heard about it. Anytime I hear someone mention, did you see that Black Mirror episode? I'm like, fuck yes, that's my shit. And then I go watch the next few episodes and I'm like slogging through it, even though it's like objectively incredibly well done. I get excited about each one. I don't know. It's, you should I don't skip know. the and ones I you want, don't like. like the just Twilight. Skip them. Like, don't feel bad about it. You know? Life's too short. It's really hard for me. Yeah. yeah. I'll try again. But, <laughs> but don't watch and, it. and like, I, I always intend to try again because I want to get through it all. It's like legit stuff, but. For some reason, it's never what I want to watch at that moment when I'm choosing what to watch. I find I either love them or hate them, but I love more than I hate them. But I know what you mean. Like, there's so much good content out there. And then I sit down and I'm like, I'm going to watch Shit's Creek again because I don't know what to watch. There's too much stuff. <laughs> um, and then I do want to shout out the other thing that I started reading right after I finished 
red shirts because I was in the middle of a walk between errands is um, and I can't see the full title of the play buttons in the way a song of wraiths and ruin which I've been meaning to read for a long time and I'm excited to get into I've read like three minutes of it so far but it's got a nice opening who's the author Rosanna Brown oh okay yeah she was in my pitch wars class like I've, I've recognized that that title so mm-hmm. yeah it was super buzzy when it came out and I was like yes that and then my entire goal for this year is uh, I have a huge backlog of audiobooks, as as I do everywhere else too. But I was like, okay, we're just going to tackle one thing. We're going to get through all the audiobooks this year. So that's what I'm trying to do. At least audiobooks, you can also like do your chores, <laughs> exactly. clean up your chickens, chase your children at the yeah. same time. <laughs> it's, yeah, I so found, this one at least seemed realistic. Yeah, I found I... I read like paper or electronic a lot less lately, but I'm still getting through audiobooks just fine mm. because of the aforementioned chasing children and or chickens. So yeah, hard to hold we'll a book you on it toes. helps when you have a, <laughs> when you have a million things to do and you don't have to like devote time. Although we should devote time to sit down and be still, but when you don't have that and you still want to read, it just really helps. Because EJ used to tell me like she listens to audiobooks when she runs. I'm not a runner. I don't like to exercise, but I do. And I was like, I gotta have music. I don't know what you're talking about. And I switched to audiobooks, and it's just like a game changer. I'll get one book, and I'm like, I'm not allowed to listen to this unless I'm moving. And then I will get through that book so much faster. I have just finished. I'm gonna look because like my ADHD brain, I'm always reading like ten things, and it takes me forever to finish because I'm reading so many. I just finished. We were never here by Andrea Bartz. And it is a thriller suspense. I think it was like a Reese book club pick. I don't know how I did it. I, I got it randomly. It was really good. It's like if you have a best friend for 10 years and you go on a trip together every year and then one day on this trip you're backpacking and you're forced to kill somebody because they're doing something really bad and you cover it up. And you come. It happens. Right. <laughs> Got to kill the predators, man. Going on more trips. Then you come back to the United States and you get through it and you move on and then you go the next year. And then you have to kill somebody again. And so you start thinking, is this person, do I know my friend? Like, what's happening here? And you start digging and uncovering and you're like, holy crap, this is not who I thought it was. And that is, that's kind of a trope that I like. Like, you don't know the person. Um, Friends who murder together, though. Yeah. <laughs> Those who murder together. Okay, I need to read that. That sounds amazing. It's good. It's really good. And then I read Night Film by Marisha Pessel. Or Marisha Pessel. I don't know. It's been out a while. I actually saw some thriller authors on Twitter um, talking about it. And I thought it was a new release. So I was like, oh, let me get this. and Because it was people whose books I liked. And I got it. And it was pretty neat. It had kind of a Hitchcockian feel to it. And um, I enjoyed it. It Now, it's a long one. It took a long time. Um, I thought it was just me. I was like, why is this book so long? I feel like everything's wrapped up. I got four hours left. But it was like, for a thriller, which is typically significantly shorter than a fantasy novel, I think it had like 170,000 words or something. Oh, yeah. wow. But it, That's like two thrillers. But it is, but it's so fast-paced. You're like, it didn't feel like a long book until the end. Because you kind of, I don't know if y'all are like this, but I hit that point where I'm like, okay, I know everything that's happened. Let's wrap this Need up. To wrap yeah, it. yeah. But it was really good. That I mean, that's a, a me issue. I'm not like saying anything negative about the author. I'm like that with movies too. Like once we hit the climax, mm. I'm like, all right, I'm good. I'm going to do laundry. <laughs> Let's just go. Yeah. Just leave when it's most exciting. Okay. 
And then this is how you lose the time war. I, I was just going to say, you told me to read it, and Michael Mamey was on here telling us. That's why I read it, because he said read the book. And so I read it, and I got to the half point. I was like, I love this book so much. Oh, my God, it's my new favorite book. And so I put it down. I didn't finish it, because I want to finish it on vacation. But I was like, I'm going to pick it back up on vacation. But I've slowly been, like, reading it every night a little bit, because it's there, and I know it's there. And I'm like, let's we'll see what happens. But I... I, I'm so in love with this book. I don't know how it ends. And if it's bad, if it's sad, don't tell me. For what it's worth, I, I need to read it again now because I read it too fast. So I think what you're doing is smart. Like I read I it and like, reread ah. it and highlight it and take notes. And I'm like, the minute it turned into like a love story, I was like, <laughs> Did you not go into it? No I didn't know anything was? about it. Oh, but I am. He, he recommended it because time travel is my number one thing. I will read time. Tra- I will read the worst book or watch the worst show if they are traveling through time. And I have. I've watched some terrible stuff. <laughs> and so that's why I started it. I didn't know what it was about. And then when it ended up being experiencing life in different ways, like one is from garden and one has more of like a computer existence feel. I was like, Everything about this is so perfect. This person wrote a book for me. And then, like, they fell in love. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to read this later on the beach. But I've been slowly, slowly doing it. I know. Um, and it's it's beautifully written, too. Like, I just love, like, every sentence is, like, perfectly crafted. So it's yes. one of those books that you can just, it's like, rude, frankly. choose slowly. Yeah, yeah so no, good. it made me want to stop writing. Because I was like, <laughs> I, can, I will never achieve this level. I know. Like, well, I, I read it and I'm just like, I want to read it again because I want to experience the sentence again. Does that make sense? And then I haven't read the ending, so I'm I'm hesitant to recommend it because I have recommended books at the halfway point before and then found out, oh, that took a turn. Um, this, keep recommending okay, it. Okay, good. Yeah, but I put it on my personal it. Facebook page and somebody was like, I found it a bit flowery. And I was like, Good day to you, sir. We can no longer talk to each wow. other. Like, we are no longer friends. Goodbye. Not like that's the best part of it. Well, there's a lot of best part of it. But I want the, it to be the fun. lyricism. Yes, it's. I mean, yeah. it's written in letters. It's mm-hmm. epistolary. Okay, I'm gonna stop, or I'm gonna take up all our time talking about this novel. I mean, it won a lot of awards for a very good reason. Yes. Yeah. For good reason. Mm-hmm. So, is it time? Back on track? Yes. I want to touch on one more thing. I know we're going long, but I want to call out for listeners that you do such an awesome job, Kai, on your Twitter account of celebrating queer representation yes. in fiction. And it's so constant. Like, every time I see you in my feed, it's it's another shout out for something. And it's always something that sounds like it's going to be a freaking awesome book, too. So, like, how, how did you start doing that? It cut, It came apart as part of being part of my debut group. Um, I was looking for ways to help shout out some of them and ways to, like, yeah, basically ways to help promote other authors. And at the same time, I also had a conversation at a very small con, not a very small con, but a somewhat small con called Sirens. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know. If, yeah. Yeah. So it's not that small. Anyway, so there there was this conversation around, like, how do we find queer books? 
how do we how do we like go to a bookstore and find those books or how do we recommend them to our friends or like and how there are issues of like just putting a little rainbow on there or other ways of like making it very obvious because then it's harder for like teens to bring in queer books to households that might not be okay with that kind of thing and it might be harder for people who are just like curious or questioning or all sorts of other issues and so the conversation basically came down to it's on readers it's on reviewers to basically make it clear to their audience um that you know books have queer content and simultaneously I started seeing people in the YA sphere really like creating lists as well So in the YA sphere, there were some bloggers doing a really good job saying, here are some books with sapphic leads, lesbians, Um, here are some books that have trans leads, etc. And I was looking around at the time like, there's nothing for adult fantasy. And adult fantasy at the time was having a moment. Like we were finally having some books that were gay. (laughs) Like there had been some, so so I, I have to shout out indie publishers. They have done amazing things with keeping queer books alive. There are indie publishers that are the only reason there are even queer books on shelves. Um, And mainstream publishing had finally, I guess, realized that queer money exists. (laughs) So they were finally, Tor Tor specifically, and some other um, publishers were finally like, hey, let's like actually publish some books with queer people and queer leads. But they were doing that. And then there was that issue where it's difficult for the publisher to just plop a book down and be like, it's gay. Because there's, there's like levels of issues there. And on the one hand, I wish they could, but I also understand why they can't. So, so I just, for my debut group, I created a list of whoever had queer leads, basically. And I specifically asked for queer main characters and leads. And I didn't try to narrow it down to queer authors, because I know a lot of people who weren't, who weren't out yet, who weren't comfortable being out yet who were exploring queerness through their books. Um, I see this a lot with um, with trans characters. I mean, not not to say that that's a thing that happens a lot, but I've, I've seen, it, well, with trans characters and um, some other queer characters that an author is basically exploring their sexuality through their book, and that's fine, and that's great. And I also just did not want to point at them and say that that author is gay if they're not ready for that. So I explicitly said, I'm not saying these authors are queer, just the books. And I'm not ever going to go and dig because that feels weird to say that somebody's queer. If they want to come out and they want to say it and they want to have that as part of their platform or their Twitter or their social, that's good on them. I will absolutely like cheer for them. But I don't want to be the person who says that you have to be gay to write a book or you have to be out um, in some way that fits in a box that we have. So I, I created that list for our debut group. And then that was like all books because they, they span like like women's fiction, thriller, etc. And then I realized at the same time that there was that niche of adult science fiction and fantasy that people were asking for and not seeing. So I was just like, I'll just put together what I found and see if people like that. And then it exploded. And now I have to do it every year for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I really like doing it. It's I've I have thought a few times, like, am I really going to just keep doing this every year? And I'm like, I also really like knowing what books are out there and what queer books are out there and having that answer of like, if somebody says I'm looking for, you know, a book with a trans, a trans main character 
that I can be like, well, we've got Wrath Goddess Sing coming out. Um, there was Manhunter that came out in the spring. There was um, Light from Uncommon Stars by Ryoko Aoki, which is an amazing book. So like, I just, I also personally just love having that knowledge with me at all times, basically. So. Yeah. <laughs> and if you also want this knowledge, you should follow K.A. Dor on Twitter. <laughs> There's always an amazing recommendation in your feed. It's great. <laughs> um, okay. So why don't we now go on and play our game? We're going to play Drove Out. Do you want to explain the rules or do you want me to explain the rules? They're so involved. They're so hard. <laughs> you better listen. I hope I wrote it all down. Um, okay. So basically, we are going to throw two different tropes at you. You're going to pick one. Do I catch them? Yes. If you With can. With a net. Okay. With a trope. Oh. <laughs> a trope net. <laughs> you didn't you bring it? God. No, <laughs> I didn't bring my trope net. I'm you sorry. You not leave home without I'll it. I'll be back later after I knit. <laughs> knit your net. Catch the tropes. So we will... Throw out two tropes. You don't overthink it. Whichever one's your favorite, you'll tell us, and then we'll talk about it. And do I do I win anything? The experience is the prize. We should. Okay, we should think about <laughs> the experience is the prize. I've got nothing. The journey nothing is the destination. Game. I don't know. A trope net. Apparently, you win your very <laughs> own trope net. Yay. Sorry. All right, Em, you want to kick us off? Sure. Sure, sure. I am gonna kick us off with sinister secret society at a boarding school or boarding school that isn't quite what it seems. Ooh. So I, I have both in my ideas folder right now. So I'm trying to decide which one I like better. Which one is my favorite? Uh, sinister secret society at a boarding school. I think I agree with you on that one. Yeah. There's no bad yeah. choice there. No, it, there's I, I just like secrets. Any kind of secret. And especially when they're sinister. Like, there's probably going to be some, like, ritual sacrifice going on. Maybe they collect cats at midnight, <laughs> feed them to the gators at the local lake, you know? I would pick it on the alliteration of, uh, on you know, on its own. <laughs> sinister secret society, sign me up. All right. Mad scientist or dark wizard? Oh, why not both? <laughs> I'm sorry. I really like mixing magic and science. So, um, so I'll lean towards mad scientists because I, I like to think that there are a lot of people who are maybe doing magic and consider themselves scientists. And that is my favorite kind of scientist. Mm, I like that. I like that too. I will say, um, Part of what I like about this particular question is it, it makes me think of All the Birds in the Sky by Charlie Jean Anders, which I have not yet read. It's in my stack, but I got it because someone told me that specifically this kind of puts the two against each other. Oh, that's why it's on my stack too. Yeah. <laughs> I have it. I have it on my bookshelf and I, I, I just haven't gotten to it yet, but I, yeah, I think that's why I bought it. Yeah. And I have read her more recent novel the city in the middle of the night you know mm. it just blew my mind just the depth of the world building and the history of everything that resulted in this planet in the first place and then the the natural world of the planet itself in all of the different little like subcultures going on of what ship you came on 
to get to the planet and all of the different cities that are built in different parts of the planet is like I couldn't do it in a million years. It's incredible. What was the um, what was the title of the book originally? The first one that y'all both are on both your lists. Yeah. All the birds in the sky. All the birds in the sky. Okay. Put it on my list too. So there you go. Three in a row. I'm gonna say the next one is doing the right thing for all the wrong reasons or getting it all wrong, but for the right reasons. Doing the right thing for all the wrong reasons. I love those characters where they're like, they probably, they should in no way, shape or form have done the right thing, but they accidentally have and somehow nobody got murdered along the way. It's, it's just fun. That is fun. Like, um, like almost like an anti-hero or like, like, yeah. Okay. This, I don't even, I have terrible examples. Y'all are giving these great examples and I'm about to say Shrek <laughs> <laughs> because I cannot think right now. That's valid. I mean, you know, Shrek yeah. just wanted everybody out of his swamp. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, I honestly, mean, same. <laughs> don't we all just want everybody out of our swamps? I know, not me. Yeah. I mean, there's some really great books, some really deeper books, some great shows, but I'm, I'm just going to say Shrek did it. I mean, it's a acceptable answer. Yeah. His heart was in the right place by the end. So I do, I do like the, that far, far the other horrific. side of that though. <laughs> yes. It's very true. <laughs> I do like a person that starts off trying to do the right thing and then just like descends. That's my favorite. Yes. <laughs> Into chaos. That's my favorite. Usually. I feel that's, I, I feel like that's what I did with my first series in a nutshell. I just broke everybody. Yeah, I think that's I like chaos worst. too much for people to try to do the right thing to begin with. That's, I was going to ask you so far, have you used any, are any of these tropes anything that's like represent something in your idea oh, folder? Oh, for sure. Or... Something you've played with. <laughs> I was going to say the evil scientist slash wizard is definitely one of the characters in the second book. And <laughs> doing the right thing for all the wrong reasons is almost all of my main characters. <laughs> they're just trying to get to... Uh... They, they're just, why does the plot keep getting in the right. way? All right. Okay, I'm going to pick one more off our list and then we'll do our... Oh, yeah. Okay. Our litmus test. Okay. All right. Zombies or vampires? Don't choose wrong. Pressure. I'm joking. <laughs> you. Oh, my heart is with zombies. Can't choose but... wrong. There's no wrong choice. Oh, yeah, zombies. I'm sorry. I'm a necromancer at heart. I gotta. I gotta stay with my people. So, do you like like um, like the old school zombies, or do you want more of a sentient, like a zombie that? Wait, I might not have used that word right. A self-aware zombie, or do you want like the old school sham- shambling? All zombies and all flavors and kinds. <laughs> They're all woven here. Humans or camels, though? Oh, ooh. Mm. Camels just don't deserve it, man. <laughs> I know I did it, but they don't deserve it. I was kind of wondering, like, these poor camels. Now they're zombies. Do you have a favorite zombie world? I don't know if this counts, but I currently listen to the Zombies Zombies Run app. Oh. Which is, yeah, I guess it does count. It is its own world. It has its own people and characters, etc. And it's like nine seasons in. That's probably my favorite. My second favorite would be the zombies from Half-Life, which are which was a game from the 90s. Um, they're basically like these 
alien head crabs that attach themselves to your body and control you, but you look like a zombie and you act like a zombie. (laughs) And you get fast zombies that way too. It's great. Oh, fast zombies are the worst. That's scary. Especially when they scream while they're running at you. Oh, they still have their vocal cords. That's that's bad. Mm -hmm. Fresh zombie. Mm -hmm. The first time I read a book that had fast zombies or I, I think I read a book before I actually saw the show. I was like, this is not this is not how zombies act. This is terrifying. Yeah, no, fast zombies are definitely the scariest. Yeah. You do, because if it's slow, mm-hmm. you don't have to be fast. You just have to be faster. But they break you down. They don't ever have to stop. That's pretty scary, too. You know, something's just always right there coming for you. That's the the fun part about the Zombies Run app. Um, the, the first part of what you said in that, like, they, they're just slow. They just keep going. So you can... You can run really slow, and they encourage you to just, like, keep moving. That's all that matters. So it's very Wait, for for one second, <laughs> This is a rat, an app, and you have to run. And yeah. you want to tell me the fun part of this app that makes you run? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Goodbye. No, I'm just Oh, and it also has, like, zombie noises. So, like, okay. you can enable chases. So it's like you're being chased by zombies, and they get closer and it gets louder and I like this idea either outrun them or yeah it's it's so you only like you set your own pace you just have to outrun the zombie so it's not like C to 5k where like like you just if you need to walk you can walk but you start hearing them and you have to go you have to go a little 10 or 15 percent faster than whatever your average was okay so if you were walking the entire time you just have to walk faster or like start jogging okay I'm going to check this out and see. Maybe that's what my running routine is missing is zombies. Actually, my running routine is missing running right now, but um, we're going to try it. So are you ready for the last question of the day? It is (laughs) secret baby or secret celebrity. And it's not so so difficult. (laughs) Everybody has strong opinions on this. Secrets. Or a secret. Can't they be the same can thing? Can be a secret baby celebrity. Okay, hmm. so I think I'm going to have to go with secret baby because that has more potential. Hmm. And the baby could find, like, a cool, like, queer found family and, like, be raised in a loving way. And I don't know. I wonder. So. I, like that. I just had to make a game. <laughs> it's <apparently>. been. <laughs> no, I love that concept. Uh, it's been, like, very straight down the line though that's the one question that we ask every single time and romance authors don't want anything to do with it other authors find it very interesting and they all have a different very interesting spin on what to do with it i wonder if it's because it's been overused in the romance genre perhaps whereas in in fantasy like you know the secret baby is almost always royalty but what if they're not they just think they are (laughs) yeah what if they're bad secret bad baby they're actually a, a, a zombie. The secret zombie baby. That's terrifying. So, secret zombie baby. Oh, no. No. All right. Well, to wrap us up, uh, why don't you tell us where listeners can find you online? They can find me on Twitter, for the most part, uh, at K-A underscore door, and that's door with an E. Um, you can occasionally find me on the Instagrams under the same handle. That's mostly going to be cat photos. Chicken photos lately. Um, yeah, that's largely it. I'm not really on the Facebooks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, website. I also have a website, kadoor.com. Um, it up 
updates occasionally. You can find my books there, but that's also, I will post the yearly um, queer book list there, the queer adult science fiction and fantasy list that I create every year goes there. So even if you don't do the tweeters or the Facebookies or the Tiki Talkies, you can still like subscribe to the blog and get that email once a year that's like, here's all the queer books you might have missed. So it's the laziest way. <laughs> Beautiful. Efficient. Not lazy, efficient. <laughs> Sorry, yes, efficient. efficient. Way. So that's uh, K-A-Dor, K-A-D-O-O-R-E, and her books are The Perfect Assassin, The Impossible Contract, and The Unconquered City. And we'll drop the links in the notes so you can find them there at the bottom. And you can follow us at typo podcasts across all the channels and please follow us uh subscribe if you enjoyed what you heard here uh maybe give us a review or tell a friend so uh kai it was great having you today thanks so much for joining us (laughs) 